You know, I was just uh, uh, preparing this morning for uh, tonight, and I, and I had this, I, I got to thinking about yesterday's prayer group meeting. We have two groups that meet, faithful, faithful, faithful people that come and pray every Tuesday, uh, one group at four, then another group at six. And I was just thinking about, just rehearsing in my mind uh, the prayer time that we had for the six o'clock group. And as I was doing that, these words just kind of rose up in me on earth as it is in heaven. And, and I, 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 you all know that phrase that's in the Sermon of the Mount. Uh, it's about the Lord's Prayer, Matthew chapter 6, verse 10, where Jesus said to pray this way, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, just think about those words, that prayer. And, uh, you know, as I, I, I thought about it, I could just see the faces of everybody that was there, these prayer warriors just really going for it and praying, your kingdom come, your will be done. But the key is on earth as it is in heaven. You know, John the Baptist is the forerunner of uh, Jesus Christ. And in Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, it says that in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying this, repent for, he says, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven. Now, you, you can use the word kingdom of heaven like Matthew does throughout his gospels. Matter of fact, 32 times just in the gospel of Matthew, we find the phrase kingdom of heaven. All the other writers in the Gospels said the kingdom of God, but they are interchangeable one with another. He says that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's near. And then later in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, it says this, that from that time forward, Jesus began to preach and to say the exact same thing John the Baptist said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then just a few verses later, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 23, Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And then healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. And then we go over to Luke's gospel to the 12 disciples, and Jesus sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So I want you to see that the theme, the kingdom of God, is throughout the New Testament. And then we come to Acts chapter 1 verse 3, where Jesus said uh, to them that he spoke for 40 days before he was received up into heaven. He spoke for 40 days of things concerning the kingdom of God. And then in Acts chapter 8, Philip going to Samaria to minister said that he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God. And then later in Acts chapter 19 with Paul, says that he was disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. And then in 2 Peter chapter 1, Peter himself talked about the kingdom of God. And then Jesus prophesying about the end days in Matthew 24, 14, says this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached 
in all the world as a witness, with evidence as a witness unto all nations. So we've got 71 times in the Gospels that the kingdom of God is used. But I want to look at Matthew chapter 4, verse 23, and I want to read it from the message, paraphrase version, Matthew chapter 4, the 23rd verse. And this is what it says. Matthew chapter 4, verse 23, it says, from there he went all over Galilee. He used synagogues for meeting places and taught people the truth of God. God's kingdom was his theme. That beginning right now, that they were under God's government. That's what he told them. Beginning right now, you're now under God's government, a good government. Now think about being under God's covenant. I mean, God's government. You know, we we live in the world today where we have sovereigns and subjects. We have kings and kingdoms. We have headship and submission. We have rulers and we have those who are ruled under in terms of the realm of the kingdom. So I want you to see that authority is something that we never escape in life. You're born into a home, you've got authority figures and mom and dad. You go to school, you got teachers and principals. Uh, you uh, uh, get your driver's license, you got police officers and firemen and other uh, civil authorities. And then you come to church and you've got pastors and church leaders. And so it, it is an inescapable fact that being under government is Biblical, and it is simply something that each of us needs to come to terms with. You go to work, you got employers, and I, I and I think that the reason that a lot of people have such a difficulty dealing with government being under government is the fact that they never learned it at home, never learned it at school, and then what makes us think that you're going to come to church and be a good little kingdom citizen. So I want you to see that there's something that we need to think about when we talk about. This Matthew 6, 10, pray that thy kingdom, your rule, your government come and that your will would be done in earth as in heaven. Now, th- this one verse, Matthew 6, 10, tells me several things. Number one, it tells me that God himself is king over all, that he is the high potentate, that he is the cosmic emperor, that he's over and above everybody and everything. He rules over all realms because he created them all. And then Jesus Christ is also sovereign over everything. That's key number one. Number two, and that is that nothing trumps the will of God. Nothing trumps, when we pray God's will, notice that nothing trumps the will of God. This is serious business when we are praying about the will of God to be established on earth as it already is established in heaven. So I want you to see that the will of God is preeminent in almost everything. And so when we, when we think about, when I, I, I just saw in my mind's eye uh, all the people that were there praying, and, and I saw them as kingdom agents, and that they were praying to establish the will of God 
in earth, the will of God in our church, the will of God for our nation. And I want you to see that we are far from helpless and hopeless where governmental things are concerned. Why? Because we serve in the greatest governing structure on earth, and that's God's kingdom. Amen. Now, I want you to see that God's will is carried out perfectly, completely, and uncontested in heaven. But how many know that in this fallen world, it's imperative that the will of God be established because it is not always done? Think about that, because here is where there is devilish, demonic resistance, and here is where we have the will of man that simply refuses to submit to the government of God, his grueling authority, like Pastor Rand calls his jurisdictional authority. So I want you to see that 2 Peter 3, 9 says this, the Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some men count slackness, but he is not willing. In other words, he's talking about him coming, delaying his coming in order to get more people to come into the kingdom, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Or the, in the Passion Translation, the notes, it says, so that all might come to grace. That's powerful. Now, the reason this is important is because Every day, I don't know how many people worldwide die, but many die outside the will of God. Many die having never received uh, the, the will of the Father, which is he's not willing that any should perish, not even a single one, but that all, every man, woman, and child should come to repentance. We've got 2 Timothy 2, 14, where it says, who would have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. There's the will of God. So we've got two references that it is the will of God for every person, every man, woman, and child to be saved. So that tells me that God's top priority is souls, souls, souls coming into the kingdom of God, God's top priority. And, and I, I think that the, the, the thing that underscores it is that we who serve as God's under rulers here in the earth, that we are to forcefully, forcefully establish the will of God on earth. That we know what we take, what we know of the will of God, and then through prayer and decrees and declarations, we establish the will of God here on earth. So God's government then we could define as his rule, as his dominion, as his jurisdictional authority. We might even call it his lordship over our lives. And so I want you to see that I believe that the will of God is to be enforced by the church by the church, as agents of the kingdom of God, with kingdom authority and kingdom power. You know, when, when you read Romans chapter 5, uh, about, we have this phrase, reigning as kings in life. Now, we're going to read that passage here in just a moment in the Amplified Classic. We have this phrase, reigning reigning as kings in life. Notice he does not say reigning as kings in heaven, but we are to reign and rule 
and exercise dominion and authority here in this life. So I believe that every prayer meeting is a prime way in which we establish the will of God. I believe that every time we decree and declare something to be this way and no other way, that we are exercising the dominion and the authority of the kingdom of God. And so I believe that there is something uh, about us standing up on the inside and beginning to be bold in our prayer life and in our declarations of what we decree to be lawful and not lawful. And I want you to see that we, we, have, we have come against hard corruption in government, in prayer. And we, we just forbid it. And we, and we have commanded the people that are corrupt, that are subverting the system, that are hurting everybody, our nation, that they're, they're going. Amen. They're going out. And so I want you to see that this is, this is something that we, we simply don't need to place limits on God when it comes to how bold we are when we pray. Amen. Now, I want you to turn to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. And I'm going to read several verses. We're going to start in Romans chapter 5 verse 7. And we're going to read down through Romans chapter 5 verse 7. And we're going to read down through the end of the chapter in Romans chapter 5. Now, before we read this from the Amplified Classic Version, in the note section of the Passion Bible, uh, you know, the, the notes are amazing. They're wonderful. You need to get the Passion just to have the notes that are written in the bottom. But this is one of the notes. It says that the actions of both Adam and Jesus affected the entire world. I want to say it again. The actions of both Adam and Jesus affected the entire world. Death passed to all who are in Adam and life passed to all who are in Christ. I want to say it again. Death passed to everyone who is in Adam. Life passed to everyone who is in Christ. Both Adam and Jesus were corporate heads of a race of people. Notice that God acknowledges and sees every person either in Adam, unsaved, unregenerate, or in Christ, saved and on their way to heaven, but experiencing every bounty and blessing that comes with covenant life here on earth. So God sees every man either in Adam or in Christ either lost in sin, dead in trespasses and sins, or alive unto God. Now, that, that, is a, that is a key revelation that we need to see from the Scriptures. Also, we're going to find that we're going to see how powerful the grace of God is because four times in Romans chapter 5, we had the phrase, much more, much more. So let's read Romans chapter 5, and I'm going to begin reading right here, Romans chapter 5, Verse 7, from the Amplified Classic, it says, Now it is an extraordinary thing for one to give his life even for an upright man, though perhaps for a noble and lovable and generous benefactor, some, someone might even dare to die. 
But then he goes on to say, but God shows and clearly proves his own love for us by the fact that while we were still sinners, Christ, the Messiah, it's just a key, while we were still sinners, Christ, the Messiah, died for us. So Jesus died for us when we were unlovely, when we were ungodly, when we were blasphemous, when we were anti-God, which we were vehemently against him. He died for us anyway. Why? Because his love is not based on our goodness, but his. Amen. So therefore, he says in verse nine, since we are now justified, acquitted, made righteous, and brought into right relationship with God. That's a pretty good deal right there. Now that we are, every one of us, we are now justified, just as if I'd never sinned. I am acquitted. That, that means I've been declared not guilty. That I've been made righteous, and then I have been brought into right relationship with God. So it says, by Christ's blood, how much more certain is it that we shall be saved by him from the indignation and the wrath of God. The, so those who say that we are going to endure the wrath of God are wrong. Why? Because of what the blood of Jesus accomplished for us through the saving grace of Jesus Christ. So it says, so we are much more certain, much more certain. This is emphatic, a much more certainty that we shall be saved by him from the indignation and the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, it is much more certain now, now that we're reconciled, that we shall be saved, daily delivered from sin's dominion. Daily delivered from sin's dominion through his resurrection life. Wow, that is such an important point to us to understand that we are daily, every day delivered, delivered from sin's dominion through his resurrection life. Not only so, but we also rejoice and we exultingly glory in God in his love and perfection through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have now received and enjoy our reconciliation. We can boast in the fact that now we have been reconciled. We, we who were estranged have now been brought together in Christ Jesus. Wow, that's a powerful thing to say, that we have now been reconciled unto God. That the war is over. We're no longer estranged. We're no longer separated. But we are now been joined together in harmony. Just like two people that are estranged come back together in love and they are once again united with one another. So he makes the point that we are to glory in the fact that we now have received and we enjoy our uh, reconciliation. So therefore, he says, because of all of that, as sin came into the world through one man and death as a result of sin, so death spread to all men, no one being able to stop it or to escape its power because all men sinned. So I want you to see that when sin entered the world, death came in, piggybacked on sin. 
So if you're going to deal with the issue of death, then you had to deal with sin. Because the root problem of the human race, if we had to diagnose all the ills of the human race in one word, it would be the word sin. Sin. So that's why the cross of Calvary dealt a death blow to sin. And by doing that, it broke the dominion of spiritual death. Amen. Spiritual death. So he says, therefore, as sin came into the world through one man and death as the result of sin, and so death spread to all men, no one being able to stop it or to escape its power because all men sin. To be sure, sin was in the world before ever the law was given, but sin is not charged to men's account where there is no law to transgress. Now, if there were no speed limit sign on the interstate out here, you could go as fast as your car would go and you would not be a lawbreaker. But as soon as they put a 55 or a 60 or whatever mile an hour it is, then, and you go for that, you're a lawbreaker. Why? Because it is the law that reveals sin. Yeah. Amen. And so he makes this point. Therefore, he says, as sin came into the world through one man, that one man was Adam, and death came as the result of sin. So death spread to all men, no one being able to stop it or escape its power, because all men sin. To be sure, sin was in the world before ever the law was given, but it was not charged to men's account where there is no law to transgress. Yet, death held sway from Adam to Moses, the lawgiver, even over those who did not themselves transgress a positive command as Adam did. Remember, God told Adam, if you cannot eat from the tree that's in the midst of the garden. It was a positive command. And they transgressed. They just ignored. They just violated what they knew to be the will of God. So it says that death held sway from Adam to Moses, even over those who did not themselves transgress a positive command as Adam did. Adam was a type, a prefigure of the one who is to come in reverse. The former Adam destructive, but the latter Adam saving. That's why Jesus is called the last Adam. He came to save. Where the first Adam brought death, the second Adam would bring life. But it says, but God's free gift is not at all to be compared to the trespass. His grace is all out of proportion to the fall of man. Think about that. That tells me that what God did in Jesus was far greater than what Satan did in Adam. Amen. I want to say to you, what God did in Jesus is far greater than what Satan did in Adam. So it's not at all to be compared to the trespass. His grace is all out of proportion to the fall of man. Now, if you read another translation, that phrase isn't in it, only the Amplified. And that's why the Amplified can really help you to understand what the meaning of things as they come forth in the Scripture. For if many died through one man's falling away, his lapse, his offense, much more 
Much more profusely did God's grace and the free gift of grace that comes through the undeserved undeserved favor of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound, and it overflows to and for the benefit of many. Now, here we're going to see the grace of God being magnified, being magnified in the cross of Calvary and being magnified in our redemption, our salvation, God's free gift is not at all to be compared to the trespass. His grace is all out of proportion to the fall of man. Or if many died through one man's falling away, his lapse in offense, much more profusely than, uh, in other words, his grace is much more than we will ever need. Much more profusely did God's grace And the free gift that comes through the undeserved favor of the one man, Jesus Christ, it abounds and it overflows to and for the benefit of many. It abounds. His grace abounded. His grace abounded toward us and to us and for the benefit of many. Nor, he says in verse 16, is the free gift at all to be compared to the effect of that one man's sin. For the sentence following the trespass of one man brought condemnation, whereas the free gift following many transgressions brings justification and act of righteousness. That means that we need to have more confidence in righteousness than we do in sin. For if because of one man's trespass, his lapse, his offense, death reigned through that one, then much more surely will those who receive God's overflowing grace, his unmerited favor, and the free gift of righteousness, putting them in right standing with him, they shall, those who receive the grace of God and the righteousness of God, shall what? They shall reign, R-E-I-G-N. They shall rule. They shall dominate. They shall exercise jurisdictional authority in life And they shall reign as kings in life through one man, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. Isn't that an amazing scripture? So when I, when I, I I just looked up and I saw everybody praying and, and I just had this image of warriors, kingdom warriors at work, reigning as kings over the circumstances of life. I saw us exercising jurisdictional dominion on behalf of our church and families in our church and on behalf of our nation. So we need to understand that we need to have a clear image of ourselves as kingdom warriors, those who reign in life. Now, see, there are those who believe that we'll reign in heaven when we get there. But we're talking about reigning as kings in this life. Well, then he says in verse 18, as one man's trespass, one man's false step and falling away led to condemnation for all men. So one man's act of righteousness leads to acquittal and right standing with God and life for all men. That's what Jesus did. He came and he brought us acquittal and right standing with God and life. For all men. For just as by one man's disobedience, failing to hear, 
heedlessness, and carelessness, the many were constituted sinners. So now by one man's obedience, the many will be constituted righteous, made acceptable to God, and brought into right standing with him. That's everybody who will receive him as their Savior, will be brought into right standing with him. But it said, then it says in verse 20, but then law came in only to expand and increase the trespass that is making it more apparent and exciting opposition. But where sin increased and abounded, grace, God's unmerited favor, has surpassed it and increased the more and super abounded. Super abounded. Now, think about it. It says, where sin abounded, grace, the King James Version, says grace did much more abound. But then in the note section, again, of the Passion Bible, it says, Paul speaks of God's grace in verse 17, where it says, and I read it here, verse 17, and let me get here. It says, so then those who receive abundance of grace. So he uses in the King James the term abundance of grace. Or the Amplified says overflowing grace. So those of us who have received Jesus have received the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness. Now here he, he uses in the Greek language. The word can be translated super abundant grace, super abundant grace. But then we find the word grace again in verse 20, except this time he, Paul adds the prefix hooper, H-U-P-E-R, and it, we would translate it then super hooper abundant grace, hyper abundant grace, grace that just, just knows no bounds. It overflows. It is abundant. So that means that there is an endless fountain of grace made available to each and every one of us in Christ Jesus. Amen. And that, that's what gives us boldness and authority as kingdom warriors to pray and to decree and to declare and to command. Amen. To command. We commanded the wealth of the wicked to make its way into the hands of the righteous. We commanded it. Why? Because we, uh, because we just heard that scripture. Wasn't that an amazing scripture that everybody has an inheritance laid up for them? That a good man leaves an inheritance because God has ordained that it would be laid up by wicked men. They're working for us. They're working for me. They're working for you. They're just laying it up. It's going to make its way into our hands. So we then we become commanders of kingdom wealth. We command money to come for the end time harvest. We, and so we are commanding these, these different issues personally and corporately and governmentally for our nation. And we're commanding our nation to be rescued because we know that that is the purpose and plan of God. And that there are wicked men and women, wicked men and women, who want to turn America into something that God never intended. 
Amen. And we're not going to let it happen. And so we don't have to sit idly by and just lay down like rugs and not put up any kind of fight or resistance. So we're talking about something that is over the top in terms of prayer, in terms of the exercise of kingdom authority. And so he says then in verse 20, then the law came in only to expand and to increase the trespass, making it more apparent. But then he says, where sin increased and abounded, God's grace has surpassed it and increased it the more and superabounded. And then he ends this passage by saying, so that just as sin has reigned in death, so grace, his unearned and undeserved favor might reign also through righteousness, right standing with God, which issues in eternal life through Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, our Lord. Amen. Now, that, 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 that one passage in Romans chapter 5, man, it'll light your fire. I mean, I'm, if, if, like Andrew Womack says, if it doesn't light your fire, then your wood's wet. And so you need to understand that, that there are things that are unique to the people of God where our sovereign God-given authority is concerned. And so we have just decided that we're going to exercise that authority. Remember, uh, uh, was it uh, Sunday morning? I read the example of Peter uh, being delivered from, from prison uh, by the angel that came in. And he was surrounded by 16 soldiers and keepers at the gate. And the angel just walked right in. And the chains fell off of Peter's uh, hands. And, and, and he walked out. Just, uh, and the door, the gate to the prison opened on its own accord. I mean, we're talking about angel power at work. But so I want you to see that there are, there are things that we simply have to embrace as a point of faith. Amen. And one of those is our God-given authority to decree, declare, and to pray. And to pray boldly, boldly. Not now I lay me down to sleep prayers, you know, uh, but bold prayers that are designed to get dramatic, dramatic results in life. And that we really are to take our places as reigning kings in this life. In this life. Amen. In this life. We reign as kings. Amen. Let's stand, everybody, shall we? Tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Wow. We received the gift of grace and the gift of righteousness. And it makes all the difference in the world. Father, thank you tonight. That as we go our way into the world, out there, the mission field, give us boldness to speak forth your word and to pray and to decree and to declare bold things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I want to say just one word as we go. If you're praying for someone's salvation, don't quit. Don't quit. Call them out by name. Before the Father, speak boldly, break the authority, the dominion, and the blindness that comes over the unsaved, and break that off of them, and pray for God to send labors across their paths that will lead them to the Lord. We have a great, we have a great privilege to pray people into the kingdom of God. And so if you're praying for loved ones or family or co-workers, whatever it might be, be bold. Don't give up.
praying for them. Amen. Thank you all. Let's have the altar team make the way out front, down front. Thank you all for coming in. We will see you Sunday morning.